Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. We are your audio newspaper, and we thank you for being here with us. Coming up in this episode, it's Mansfield News, Sports, and Weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Nationally known musician to headline fundraiser for cancer-stricken friend. Mansfield Women's Club is set to bust out spring fashions at an upcoming event. Mansfield High grad proves that it pays to stay awake in science class. In sports, after seven years in the majors, Thor makes his Texas debut. Coming up in the features section. How big is the universe? I'm science reporter Dennis Webb, and we will continue this discussion in the science segment. Methodist Mansfield is named this year's Provider of the Year. I'm Angel Biasati, and we'll find out who it is and Methodist Mansfield's News to Know. I'm Beth Stanky, and in the Mansfield Real Estate Report, we will learn more about appraisals and how they can affect home buying and selling. I'm back with a splash of color. I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll get to that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that might make you fly. We have the seven-day weather forecast, and in the talk segment, Steve talks about each of the five propositions coming up on the May 7th ballot with PAC member Scott Bowman. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Since 1988, Jack Lauderman's CPA firm has been the premier tax and accounting firm for North Texas. I'm Adam Cohen, tax manager for Jack Lauderman CPA. Whether you need CFO services or simply tax preparation or anything in between, we provide every level of business tax and accounting service. Call us at 817-231-0666 or visit us on the web at dfwtaxteam.com. That's dfwtaxteam.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. I'm Dr. Joseph Adams of Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come into the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. Hi, I'm Paula Giamma Morales, Tarrant County Jury Bailiff, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Many Mansfield and DFW area residents have come to know the name Nick Choate as a solid bass player for Mansfield High grad and musician Josh Weathers. Weathers announced on social media last week that his bass playing comrade has been diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 42. It's no surprise that many friends are stepping up and finding ways to help the Choate family with support, be it prayers, childcare, 
care, meals, appointment driving, or finances. Josh Weathers is hosting a fundraiser next week called, well, I'll let Josh tell you all about it. May 1st. It's a Sunday, May 1st in Mansfield at the lot. We're going to be doing a big, big all-day music event that is happening in support of our dear friend Nick Choate. It's going to be called Choate Fest. Choate Fest, May 1st at the lot. We've got like Dirty Pool, Michael Lee, Grady Spencer, Joey Green, Luke Wade, myself, Dad Rock, oh yeah, and uh, some other special guests. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing day, all-day event, supporting Nick Choate and his family. It's going to be incredible. It'll be a great day. Make sure you get there early. Gates are going to open at noon. Music is going to start shortly thereafter, uh, and it's going to run all day. We've got vendors, food trucks, all kinds of things that are going to be helping out. So make sure you're there May 1st at the lot in Mansfield for Choate Fest. Nick Choate has performed in Mansfield countless times and was the house sound man at the Far Best Theater during its concert days. You can find a link to purchase the all-day Choate Fest tickets on our website, aboutmansfield.com. Just click on the links tab. Since 1997, the Mansfield Women's Club has done a lot of great things here in Mansfield, including raising and giving back over $750,000 to our community through various fundraisers, including major gifts to Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, Mansfield Cares, and Harvesting in Mansfield. The nonprofit organization is hosting an upcoming event, and Steve caught up with fundraising chairperson Kathleen Powers to talk about it. Kathleen, welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you. Tell us about this event that's coming up. We are doing a women's spring style show, and we're holding that at Walnut Creek Country Club. And it will be on Saturday, May the 7th at 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we have tickets for sale that are $50 each. We have limited amount of tickets. There will not be tickets sold at the door, so we have to purchase them in advance. But we do have limited tickets available. And what do attendees get for $50 each? It's a real fun event. We will have a luncheon. Uh, we have a silent auction with lots of great stuff. We have a raffle, which is really fun this year. The prizes are a $500 cash prize and or a $400 cash prize from or gift certificates from the vault and a $230 prize from uh, Avente for some of their products. And then we have Split the pot, which is a lot of fun. Last year, I think the winner won almost $500. And then we have um, a great luncheon. And then we have Chico's will be doing fashions for us. And our theme, so to speak, will be generational. It's uh, the night, the day before Mother's Day. So we have fun with different generations members. We have a member and they'll have their daughter and maybe granddaughter, or different people um, together doing fashions from Chico's. So the money raised from the fundraiser, where is this going? Is this earmarked for any specific charities? All of our fundraising monies are put together at the end of the year. Our philanthropic committee uh, will designate funds to go to different charities. The different charities apply for funds from us. And they go throughout the city. We really focus on Mansfield general 
area and then greater area, I should say. And then we also focus on women and children. Kathleen, how can uh, how can Mansfield residents buy the tickets? The best way would be to give me a call. You can call me on my cell at 817-932-2329, or you can contact uh, any of our board members. But we do have to have the tickets sold in advance. We have to give a count to the club a week prior to. So we will only have pre-sold tickets. It's the Mansfield Women's Club fundraiser. It's happening Saturday, May 7th. It's a big fashion show. It's a big luncheon. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Walnut Creek Country Club. $50 per person. You must buy your tickets in advance. Again, give Kathleen a call at 817-932-2329. Kathleen, thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing all of you at our event. It's been a couple of years since we've had an Earth Day celebration here in Mansfield, but it is time to do it again. And with us on the telephone is the chairperson for Keep Mansfield Beautiful, Leon Williams. Uh, Leon, welcome to About Mansfield. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. When is the upcoming event here in Mansfield? Yeah, so Earth Day um, 2022 will be held on... Saturday, April 30th at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Wisteria Street at 601 Wisteria Street at the Service Center. Um, And so we will be there ready and and we're ready to relaunch this thing. Um, We've taken off the last couple of years due to the pandemic, um, but we are hoping to get back to where we were pre-pandemic. And this is the first step about um, as far as that by launching again. If Mansfield residents go out to the service center there on on, uh, Wisteria Street, April 30th, uh, between 10 and 1, what can they expect to see, do, hear uh, at this Earth Day celebration? Oh, we have a lot of fun. It's a very family-friendly event, first of all. So we gear Earth Day. um, You know, it's basically an event for the whole family, but we gear it around education. We also gear it around family fun for the kids. So we will have... Um, in the kids area, petting zoo, we have pony rides, also face painting. There's a craft um, as well that'll be there. We have a number of vendors who come to sell um, different things as far as um, we try to keep it as earth-friendly as possible. Um, we also have a bunch of education booths. We can learn about gardening, water conservation. We also do a butterfly release as well as um, we do fishing lessons. We used to do a fishing tournament. Right now we're doing fishing lessons. And we hope to get back to the fishing tournament um, as well. And then we do have um, some music. So we have a live band and a DJ that will be there along with um, food vendors as well. So we have um, a few food trucks and a couple of local uh, food vendors there. So overall, it's just a fun time to come out and um, experience and um, see the work that, Um, Our community does and our board does. And this is just kind of our showcase and a way for us to give back to the Mansfield community and and to help out um, the environment and, and celebrate Earth Day. Celebrating Earth Day. It's Saturday, April 30th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Service Center. That'd be the Chris Burkett Service Center there on South Wisteria Street. Leon Williams, uh, appreciate your time and thanks for being on About Mansfield. Thank you. Student researchers in Mississippi State's Department of Biological Sciences displayed their work earlier this month during the department's annual symposium. 
First, second, and third place winners in the Biological Sciences Undergraduate Research Program each garnered a prestigious award that honors the university's Professor Emeritus Donald N. Downer. And right about now, you're probably wondering what news from the Bulldogs campus has to do with Mansfield, Texas. But it was Mansfield High graduate Maddie Walker, a senior biological sciences major, who placed third at the event. Her project, Using Cardiac Tissue Slides to Study Diseased Hearts, was completed under the guidance of Assistant Professor of Biological Sciences, Bin Liu. Walker, as well as the other winners, received an engraved plaque and a cash award. In sports and speaking of local grads, despite pitching in the major leagues for seven years and making 123 career appearances, Angels right-hander Noah Syndergaard has never pitched in his home state of Texas until Saturday against the Texas Rangers. Syndergaard, who graduated from Legacy High School in 2010, made the most of his homecoming throwing six strong innings in a 7-2 win over the Rangers at Globe Life Field. In a post-game interview, Syndergaard, also known as Thor, told reporters that there was a little bit of added stress because, well, you want to pitch well in front of your family and friends. Thor donned a black cowboy hat while speaking to the media. Just a quick note that About Mansfield has interviewed all 10 of the MISD school board candidates, and those interviews are now available on the About Mansfield website, coincidentally, aboutmansfield.com. Click on the Local Campaigns tab. And we'd like to know your thoughts about the candidates, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Send us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that's news at aboutmansfield.com. This Saturday is National Talk Like Shakespeare Day, which gives thou the chance to speak like one of thy most influential playwrights of all time, William Shakespeare. We can speak like the Bard of Avon, as he is also known, by replacing basic words like you and they for ye and thee or thou. Just don't say ye ye. That's something completely different. This day was created by the Chicago Shakespeare Theater in 2009 and has been celebrated ever since. Side note, William Shakespeare is credited with inventing or introducing over 1,700 words that are still used in the English language today, including the word swagger. Let's check thou weather with Colleen, whose forecast always has swagger. Wherefore art thou, Colleen? Swagger, Steve? I was hoping I was hitting more of a zany vibe. Zany is another word credited to Shakespeare. But let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. We'll have a slight chance of rain overnight Tuesday into Wednesday morning, and our next small chance of rain is Sunday into Monday. After a cool start to the week, we'll be looking at temperatures about 10 to 15 degrees above normal. We'll have a high temperature of 88 on Wednesday, 87 degrees on Thursday, 88 on Friday, 87 on Saturday, 85 on Sunday, and we'll be back into the 70s early next week, with 77 on Monday and 74 on Tuesday. Meanwhile, the Tarrant Regional Water District reports that recent rainfall allows some sprinklers to remain off next week, but many lawns, especially those north of Debbie Lane, may need a quarter inch of supplemental water. It will be windy throughout the week, so water in the early morning to prevent waste. For more irrigation tips, log on to waterisawesome.com. 
Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Reporter Dennis Webb talks science. Angel Biasati reveals Methodist Mansfield's Provider of the Year. Beth Steinke is here with the Mansfield Real Estate Market Report. And Brian Certain prepares yet another airborne libation in the cocktail of the week. Also coming up later in the episode, the Mansfield trivia question, and Steve talks about each of the five upcoming propositions on the May 7th ballot with PAC member Scott Bowman. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Hi, this is Roger of the Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight. The real estate market is far more dynamic today than it has ever been, with values changing quickly. Now is the time to get an update on your real estate portfolio. We're offering a no-cost, no-obligation real estate portfolio review to all About Mansfield podcast listeners. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more and to stay on top of what's happening in your neighborhood. Thank you for allowing us to serve you as your go-to Mansfield area real estate resource. Again, that's homesinmansfield.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, and we are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com, W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Hi, I'm Casey Lewis, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb is continuing his series on how big is the universe. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. The last two weeks, we talked about powers of 10, also known as the logarithmic scale, and found our way from our nearby moon to a globular star cluster way beyond the far edge of our galaxy. 
This took 13 powers of 10 in distance past the moon. A little context before we continue the outward journey. Our sun is one of billions of stars in our galaxy called the Milky Way. This name was given in ancient times as a softly glowing, irregularly shaped band in the night sky, explained as celestial milk according to the mythology of the time. You have to be out in the country to see the Milky Way at night. When we developed telescopes, it was apparent that this glowing band was just a whole lot of stars, most of them incredibly faint and far away. Bigger telescopes found more, even fainter stars. As we are in the middle of this galaxy, it looks like a band, but astronomers have figured out that if we could see the galaxy from the outside, it is a round disk of stars organized into several spiraling arms. Galaxies are spread across the whole universe, but not uniformly. Galaxies usually appear in small groups or giant clusters of galaxy. Our Milky Way galaxy is in a small group given the boring name, the Local Group, where ours is one of two big galaxies surrounded by several smaller galaxies. The other big galaxy is called M31, sometimes called the Great Andromeda Galaxy, which is ten times farther away than the last object we visited last week the globular star cluster called NGC 7006. Before telescopes, the Great Andromeda Galaxy was first identified as a little cloud in the constellation Andromeda centuries ago. If you're in a very dark sky with very good eyes, you can see it without a telescope, but it is pretty unimpressive. However, with any telescope, you can see that it is, like our own Milky Way, also a disk with spiraling arms of stars. It took bigger telescopes for astronomers to recognize that the milky appearance of this galaxy was in fact just a huge number of stars very, very far away. For 80 years, astronomers have been able to study individual stars in this remote galaxy, and it was a big help in figuring out how big the universe is. Ten times farther away than the Andromeda galaxy is the closest large cluster of galaxies called the Virgo Galaxy Cluster and a few brighter galaxies were detectable in some of the earliest telescopes. As telescopes got even bigger and better, we now know that there are over a thousand galaxies in this cluster, many a lot smaller than our own Milky Way, but they are there. One of the brighter galaxies at the center of this cluster is called M87. It is one of the largest known galaxies with trillions of stars, much bigger than our own Milky Way. At its center is one of the first supermassive black holes ever discovered. And there is a massive energetic jet squirting material out of the galaxy at near the speed of light. It is a really strange galaxy, but we kind of know how it works. Ten times farther than the Virgo Cluster is the Coma Berenices Galaxy Cluster. It was not discovered until there were bigger telescopes a century ago. It has about the same number of galaxies as the Virgo Cluster, but it is ten times farther away, so it looks small and faint in comparison. Like Virgo, it has supergiant galaxies at its center. At this point, we are discussing what is called the large-scale structure of the universe, a subject of interest to astrophysicists. Our universe is estimated to contain perhaps a hundred million galaxy clusters or groups each holding between 10 and 1,000 galaxies. That's a lot of galaxies. Galaxy clusters themselves are sometimes arranged in long filaments or sheets. This is called superclusters, thought to be the largest structures in the observable universe. 
When these superclusters were first discovered, astrophysicists asked the question, well, are there also super-duper clusters of galaxies? As of today, the answer is still no. Ten times farther away than the Coma Berenices galaxy cluster is a strange object called a quasar, the brightest one known and one of the first to be discovered. This quasar has the arcane level 3C273. It looks like a a very faint star in a medium-sized telescope, but as astronomers studied the light with a spectroscope, it was apparent that this was some sort of massive energetic galaxy, incredibly bright, but a really long distance away here at 17 orders of magnitude past the moon. This quasar was among the first discovered 70 years ago, and they were completely baffling to astrophysicists. It was actually first discovered with earlier radio astronomy, hence the arcane name 3C273. What this gobbledygook means is it is the 273rd radio source in the third Cambridge catalog of radio sources. The British were early pioneers of radio astronomy sky surveys. Later research discovered that this really loud radio source came from the same faint star anyone can see in a medium-sized telescope. The existence of these massive bright sources very far away expanded our notion of how big the observable universe is. Still, we are not at the edge of the universe with another order of magnitude to what we might call the edge of the universe. So we traveled across much of our universe using uh, this trick of orders of magnitude to kind of get a handle on what it is. So if you recall, we talked about the moon being 250,000 miles away. If you remember some of your high school math, this distant quasar is 250,000 times 10 to the 17th power miles away. The universe is really big. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Today, we start a brand new feature and welcome Angel Biasati to the microphone with Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? I have with me today Dr. Andrew Byatt, who was overwhelmingly chosen as Provider of the Year for Methodist Mansfield. Dr. Byatt is an exceptional physician. He always goes above and beyond to maintain open and effective communication collaborating with our entire team at Methodist Mansfield. He values the input and advice of other specialties and provides meaningful discussion with patients and patient family members. Dr. Bayat, what does being named Provider of the Year mean to you? What it means to me is that, um, you know, ultimately I consider my job to be to take excellent care of patients, to try to, you know, um, save them if that's possible, if it's possible or not, provide a good experience for the patients and their families in the ICU. And so what it means to me is that, um, you know, I'm doing my job and that um, we're effectively communicating and taking excellent care of the patients. But beyond that, also to have the respect of my colleagues. And um, that goes from, you know, the patients themselves to, you know, the nurses to the, you know, cleaning staff, but, you know, everyone um, contributes to the care of a patient in the ICU. And to have the respect of those people just meant so much to me. I know in the ICU, you go above and beyond dealing with the many challenges that COVID has brought to so many families. I've personally watched you speak to so many family members about the devastation COVID has caused and many patients with unsurvivable conditions. 
How do you do that on a daily basis? It's your duty, you know. I mean, if you're going to be good at this as a career and you consider it a passion, you have to sort of dissect what the responsibilities of the job are. It's your responsibility to, um, you know, be there for the families through through the hard times and through the and through the good times, and you know, not take anything personally. Um, you know, you're oftentimes meeting people on the worst time, not just you know in recent history, but sometimes their whole lives and people can be angry, they can be sad and it, it has nothing to do with you. Another part of, you know, what brings us joy and what makes you happy is taking something that can be devastating and negative and trying to, um, I can't say that it'd ever be positive if someone doesn't go home happy or healthy, if they pass away or lose function, but trying to make that process as easy um, and understandable and um, digestible to all the parties involved is something that, you know, you can feel good about ultimately is trying to do something, make something good out of something bad. What motivates you to come to work every day facing the many challenges that you do? Well, I think that, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is my family. You know, I think that it's um, something that uh, you do because, you know, you, you love your family and you provide for your family and it sets a good example for my young kids to work hard at something and try to be good at something. You know, the other thing is kind of like what we've already spoken about is that ultimately when you're choosing your specialties, there's a lot of options when you're young. But, you know, I wanted to go into something where you feel like you can make the biggest difference. And I think that every doctor, every provider, every person on the medical team makes a big difference. But I felt that where I could make the biggest difference in people's lives, whether they were going to do well or not, um, was going to be, you know, in some cases you save someone's life and they go about their business like it never happened. And that's amazing. But in other cases, like I said, these times where people are very, very sick and their lives are changed forever or they pass away, that their families and they are not going to forget that, um, not ever. And you can really be a part of something bigger in their life. Thank you, Dr. Byatt. And congratulations on being chosen Provider of the Year. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know, reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. I'm Angel Biasati. Let's talk real estate appraisals. Beth Steinke is here with this week's Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. Beth? Appraisals. You've heard of them. You know they are important. But how is it that they can make or break a real estate transaction? Well, I tell my buyers and sellers this important fact. He who has the money makes the rules. And in this case, that's the lender. And boy, do they have rules. First, who needs an appraisal? There is really only one person in the transaction that needs the appraisal, and that's the lender. Buyers and sellers have already come to an agreement on contract price, but the lender is undertaking the vast majority of financial risk on that purchase, and they want to be protected. The appraiser acts as the lender's eyes and ears, and in some cases, their nose too. One of the owners of our real estate company has a saying, you can't sell it if you can't smell it. She's conveying an important truth about real estate. You only really know what's going on in a property if you've walked through it. Lenders certainly believe this to be true. Almost all finance deals will require an appraisal. Some recent rule changes altered this requirement, but we'll save that for a later week. What if the appraiser's opinion of value misses the contract price? Well, it does happen. In the past, we would usually reopen negotiation and present these four options to the buyer and seller. Option one, the seller can agree to reduce the sales price to the appraised value. They cannot be required to sell at the lower price. They already have a contract in place. But in some cases, a seller might agree to make the adjustment. 
Option two, a buyer can come up with a difference between the appraised price and the contract price in cold, hard cash. Same rules apply, though. They can't be compelled to come up with cash to make the deal work. And cash being the finite resource that it is, they just may be unable to do so. Option three, the buyer and seller work together to come to a win-win solution. This is the most common resolution on an appraisal dispute because typically we still have a willing buyer and a willing seller that want to get the deal done. And option four, the buyer can opt to terminate the contract. This rarely happens, but it is up to the buyer to decide if they want to continue forward with the home purchase with a low appraisal. Next week, we'll discuss appraisal guarantees and how that's playing out in our complex real estate market today. Now let's get to the Mansfield real estate market update. As of Tuesday, April 19th, there are 35 active and available homes for sale in Mansfield, excluding new construction. That's five more than this time last week. Homes range from 289000 with a list topping out at $2.4 million, with six homes priced over 900000 We are seeing a number of homes coming back on the market, indicative of buyers having to make quick decisions, but ultimately unwilling to settle. I believe this is complicated by the rising real estate environment as buyers see their payments rising rapidly on a home that may not have been their first choice. A quick check of homes that closed last week in Mansfield shows we have 10 homes selling at an average of 106% of list price. It's still hot out there, for sure. Are there any real estate topics you want to learn more about? Send us a message at info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. In a world where people have thousands of questions about improving and repairing their homes, one man has the answers. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist and talks about the place that you call home. Terry? Today's question comes from Carol, who writes, I'm guessing spring is the best time to paint the exterior of my house before it gets too hot. What do I need to do in terms of preparation? Good and timely question, Carol. Around here, spring and fall are really the best time for exterior painting before the heat and humidity kick in. Both can definitely have an effect on the quality of the paint job you end up with. And whether it's interior or exterior, preparation is always the key to a good finished product. I recommend starting with a good cleaning. If your house is mostly brick and you're only painting trim, you can achieve this by using a scrub brush with a long handle and a bucket of soapy water containing a good detergent like Simple Green, which is a powerful surfactant yet is gentle to the environment, so you don't have to worry much about splashing plant life in the beds below where you're working. Before you start to scrub, check under the eaves for any lingering wasp or dirt dauber nests and remove them. Once you've gotten the dirt off the surface, rinse thoroughly and wait a day before continuing your prep. If you're painting large surfaces of siding, especially on a second floor, you'd probably want to consider using a pressure washer. Again, use a good environmentally friendly detergent like Simple Green and keep an eye on the pressure of the spray, particularly if your siding is somewhat aged. You don't want to completely peel the paint off the surface if you can avoid it. Rinse thoroughly after cleaning and let it dry for a day. In painting, prep is everything, so it pays to be meticulous as you go from wall to wall and surface to surface with your work. I usually go over every square inch of siding and trim with a stiff blade putty knife to loosen any bubbling paint or caulk that I find, and work the edges with a handheld wire brush to feather the surfaces in. 
Here's usually the part where you'll find any rotten or compromised siding or trim as you press the putty knife, and you'll need to replace it. A fresh paint job over a bad surface is fruitless because the rot will continue to happen from within once it's started. And smearing caulk or auto body compound over rot is not the answer. If you're meticulous in cutting, you'll be able to replace the bad pieces with a minimal seam, of course, providing that you use the same material as the original. Once you're done scraping, brushing, and repairing, wipe the surface clean with a rag to remove any dust or residue. Pound in any nail heads that are sitting up, and if you can't get them to stay in, re-nail the siding or trim with a longer nail of the same type. I'm not a big fan of using screws on exterior trim and siding because it's tough to hide the screws. For any dimpled nail holes or dents in the surface, you can use caulk to fill in shallow ones or use a painter's putty that's formulated for exterior use to fill the deeper ones. Replace any missing caulk at joints using acrylic latex caulk with silicone. There are a lot of great ones on the market, and most of them have a 20-year or better warranty, meaning that they should last until your next paint job. I don't recommend using pure silicone or polyurethane caulks under either exterior or interior paint or primer because the paint won't stick to it. Best to use those types of sealants after painting, but be forewarned that you may not be able to match the paint color exactly. Once you've got everything scraped down and resealed and everything is dried, you'll need to prime any areas you've repaired. I know that water-based paints keep getting better and better as technology advances, but I'm still old school when it comes to primer. For bare wood and engineered wood products, I use oil-based primer. It does a far better job of sealing the pores of the wood against moisture than latex, and I've found that there's less chance of bubbling or peeling when the finished coat goes over. By the way, it's simply a myth that you can't paint with latex over oil. Oil-based primers will work under any finished coat. They just require a little more time to dry completely. And as I've addressed before, forget about that myth that you can use products labeled paint and primer together to go over bare spots and expect it to cover. Paint is paint and primer is primer. They each have their own jobs to do. What the product labeled paint and primer together will do is give you better one coat coverage than ordinary paint thanks to the additional binders and pigments that are part of the formula, but it is no substitute for an actual primer. Once the primer's dried thoroughly, you're ready to paint. Well, that answers the preparation issue, Carol. And if you'd like me to take you through the steps to ensure a good paint job, I'll be happy to do that in a future episode. All you have to do is ask. On that line of thinking, it's been a number of weeks since you've heard me on the podcast. I hope you've missed me. The reason I haven't been present for a while is that I've simply run out of listener questions. The ask in Ask Terry means that I depend on you out there to drive the segment. Steve and I could think of plenty of topics to talk about, and we have, and I could just preach, but I'd rather address the concerns that you have as you're going through the adventure that is home ownership and maintenance. And there are things that pop up every day, a lot of them unique to our part of the country and the state. As I've always said, no issue is too big or too small, and there is no me without you. Hit me with those questions. Try to throw me a stumper. I'm ready for the challenge, and like everyone you hear on About Mansfield, I'm passionate about my subject matter. Tell me your questions, comments, concerns, chili recipes, whatever, to askterry at aboutmansfield.com. I'll be waiting to hear from you with anxious anticipation. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Home Improvement Specialist, Terry Radswood. Shaken or stirred? 
Either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain is flying high again with the cocktail of the week. Brian? This week's cocktail of the week is the Kentucky Flyer. Last week, we talked about the aviation cocktail, which is a flying-themed cocktail, and I followed that up with another version of it, the Kentucky Flyer. The Kentucky Flyer was created by bartender Sierra Zimi in 2011 when she was working at the Four Seasons in San Francisco. This is a very direct variation on the classic aviation cocktail, which dates back to the early 20th century and combines gin, maraschino liqueur, creme de violette, and fresh lemon juice. You can go back and listen to that or read last week's podcast or blog to get more information on that cocktail. So the Kentucky Flyer is named for the state's reputation as a whiskey powerhouse. The Kentucky Flyer features rye whiskey, maraschino liqueur, and lemon juice. It skips the cream de violet, a practice that was also common among aviation makers for decades, considering that the liqueur disappeared from the markets around 1960 and remained unavailable in the United States until about 2007. And while many cocktails take years or even decades to get their due, the Kentucky Flyer was an instant hit. Locals gravitated to the well-balanced drink and bar legend, and author Gary Reagan included it on his list of the 101 best new cocktails of 2011, which helped to spread the word among bartenders and enthusiasts. To make a Kentucky Flyer for yourself, and you will quickly see its appeal. The rye and the lemon combined, that makes a very strong and very tart with its whiskey sour vibes accented by the maraschino liqueur's bittersweet cherry notes. The drink is easy to make, and while based around the aviation cocktail, it is significantly different in flavor. It's a fine choice whether or not you like the floral classic that inspired it. But don't worry about taking notes, as I'll always be posting the ingredients and instructions, and they'll always be posted on bourbongospel.com. This week's cocktail, the Kentucky Flyer. What are you going to need? You're going to need two ounces of a good rye whiskey. Something like Old Forester is one of my favorites, and certainly Bullet makes a good rye whiskey as well. You'll need three-fourths of an ounce of the Lozardo Maraschino Cherry Liqueur. You need a half ounce of lemon juice, again, freshly squeezed, please. And you'll need two cherries and a mint sprig for garnish. Again, just like last week, very simple to make. You're going to add the rye whiskey, the maraschino liqueur, the lemon juice to a shaker with ice and shake until well chilled. Strain it into a cocktail glass or a coupe and garnish with the two cherries and a mint sprig speared on a toothpick. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Austin Harrington, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What was Highway 287 called prior to its name change in 1940? Austin knew that State Highway 34 is now known as U.S. Highway 287. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email 
the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Big D Barbecue. They are pumping out smoked tender meats and a unique organic sauce, and they've been doing it since 2013. They're located next to the railroad tracks at 226 North Walnut Creek Drive right here in Mansfield. You can find them on the internet at bigdbarbecue.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, Mansfield ISD's R.L. Anderson's Stadium was the lone hotspot for Friday Night Lights for many years here in Mansfield. To accommodate a growing district, Mansfield ISD constructed a second and much larger facility, Vernon Newsom Stadium. This week's trivia question is, in what year did Vernon Newsom Stadium open and what is its official seating capacity? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, in what year did Vernon Newsom Stadium open and what is its official seating capacity? Good luck, and thanks to Jordy and Gary at Big D for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, for those of you who bounce around on social media a lot, uh, you may recognize the name Scott Bowman. And uh, Scott has been on here a couple of times, the most recently as Mr. Trash Talk. <laughs> That's one of my many titles. Thanks for having me, Steve. But uh, not because you're talking trash about people, but because you actually like to keep up on when trash day is actually happening, dur- happening during the holidays and when it's delayed. Absolutely. And- people reach out to me to find out, you know, is today a trash day or not? And I've, I've quickly... Uh, uh, started wearing the the badge of the trash man or trash talk, trash talk TM TM trademark. That's right. Pending. So Scott Bowman, uh, you were on uh, as you reminded me, you were on episodes fourteen and forty one and. What a year. 2020. <laughs> yes, both of those episodes uh, for city council, uh, right. what seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, but uh, interested in my city and uh, love to stay current with what things are going on, including this this bond election. All right. All right. And again, welcome back to About Mansfield. Thank you. You are now on episode 121. All right. All right. So let's get into why you're here today. Uh, The voters of Mansfield will have an opportunity to vote on five separate bond issues, Proposition A through E. And instead of bringing in someone who is employed by the city or a city representative, like a, a city council person, we brought in Scott Bowman, who is actually part of a political action committee, and the name of the committee is... We're the Mansfield Citizens for the 2022 Bond Campaign, and we like to just call ourselves uh, Support Mansfield 2022. Support Mansfield 22 uh, PAC. And and what was the purpose of, of, of putting a pack together? Well, so like you mentioned, the, the city can't go out and say, vote for this. Um, but these are really important propositions. There's a lot of people in the community that want to see these succeed. There's a lot of value in these. We feel that... Um, the, the city will become even better if all of these were to pass. And so we want to get people to uh, go out and vote for all of these propositions. All of these propositions. Let's, let's go ahead and run down each of these propositions one at a time and, and let, the, uh, let the listeners and the voters uh, uh, decide. And Proposition A 
is a veterans memorial that's being proposed for uh, for Julian Field Park, which is on East Broad Street, just not not directly across from City Hall, but pretty close, pretty yeah, close, right? My kids like to call that one Green Park because uh, you can see the playground equipment from the street, which is uh, green. It's very lime green, um, and uh, all all the parks. Uh, in the city have nicknames to my kids. So this is Green Park. And um, this is a great location for this because it has a lot of natural pieces uh, that will help this park be uh, a great place to go. It's highly wooded in the back and a little more open in the front. It's a great place to um, create a water feature uh, that will be visible from the street and also a couple of uh, buildings, facilities there that people can gather at. It also has some uh, you know, wavy terrain, a uh, right. little bit of hills there. And and the plan is to put uh, like an amphitheater where you have some seating uh, into the hill, you know, just natural grading there that allow you to have programs and presentations. Uh, and and live music? Um, maybe. You never huh. know. It's, it's going to be a park. So Okay. I know a musician or two. I was going to say. Yeah. That's, I also see that it will connect to the linear trail, will it not? Right. Future plans have it connecting to the linear trail. The The linear trail goes through uh, McKnight Park, mm -hmm. just to the north of there. Uh, and the city already has that that land. And part of the master plan is to connect the, the linear trail that goes through um, the, the north side there onto that park. And I did mention the green uh, playground that's there. There's plans to move that. Uh, structure. There's still a lot of life left in that structure. Move it up to McKnight West Park to uh, give some more amenities there at that place as well. The Veterans Memorial, what is this going to cost the city of Mansfield? So the, the price tag on this project is $7 million. It includes a lot of uh, structures. There's restrooms included in this, additional parking along the east border uh, of the park. It also includes some scenic overlooks and some winding trails through the through the trees, a nice place to, to find some solitude and some reflection of those outlooks. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the water feature also um, adds to that, that price tag as well. Uh, but I think that the, the comps that I've seen on this, the, the illustrations that have been created for this make it look like a, a definitely a world-class park and it honors our veterans. And how long if the... If uh, if passed, how long will it take the, the city to to uh, construct this park? So I believe this one was eighteen months to two years to uh, to get it completed. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly what the timing is. Uh, when we if all of these were to pass, we're not going to start digging in the dirt the, the very next day. Right there, there's a, a progression uh, of how all these things work, and um, I don't remember exactly when this one starts, but it is a, a year and a half to two years to complete once it's. Uh, and it shovels in the ground. I think one of the processes is that it has to go out to bid. Does it not then? And so obviously they're not going to break ground uh, May 8th. Right. And right. So the, the $7 million is, you know, the concept that, that what has been put forth. Um, the city's not going to invest the money, spend the money on something that's not going to happen. And so there is some some design elements and some shoring of the whole project to be done before all of that starts. But you know, we're being told 18 months to two years for this one. $7 million. And how does that break down then? What is this going to cost the taxpayers? So the, the easiest way um, that you can discuss how it's going to impact or, or how much you were paying towards it is to to normalize, you know, what a home value is. And, and 
most people will bring that to the $100,000 mark. That way, if you're in a $600,000 house or a $200,000 house, you can quickly multiply to get what the expense would be for you. Mm -hmm. This particular project is going to cost about $0.48 per $100,000. So if you have a half-million-dollar home, it's $250 a month. Okay. Uh, Pretty nominal. You know, in my opinion, for the for the grand scheme of things, it's a it's a very affordable um, piece. It's it's not a huge sacrifice per month uh, when you break that down. Um, you know, I've got a family of, of five kids and my wife at home, and uh, we always try to find ways to to make things fit within our budget. Sure. Uh, and this this seems like one of those that's pretty easy to do. Let's go into Proposition B. All right. This is the big one. This is the big one. This is the the exciting one. Uh, I get pretty excited about this one just because of the impact it's going to make. This is the uh, recreation facility or recreation center and library facility in a combined location. It's 125,000 square feet all under one roof uh, that meets a lot of needs for a lot of people. This recreation facility that we're talking about now offers the basketball that we have now. You can do indoor pickleball like we do right now. Indoor fitness, which we don't have. Aquatics, which is something that uh, has been asked for year after year. Right. Our um, our 10-year mark, uh, Parks Master Plan is one of the top items. What we're talking about here as far as a, a facility is indoor play. Um, we've got you know structures for the kids, the, the fun things, a lazy river, water slides. And in addition to that, there are lap lanes that are designed uh, for exercise. They mm-hmm. also can use the, the area where the lap lanes are for uh, flat water classes. So imagine a, a yoga class on um, floating mats in, in the water. Uh, talk about working your core, right? Oh, that's really cool. So, the um, elevated walking track. There's there's all these new things that we have that will go into this facility that would be better than what we have now. So this would be a two-story building. It is a two-story building. And so uh, the, the walking track would be on the second floor? Well, an elevated, it, yes, it is It okay. is on the second Second story, okay. but it goes up and down. Up, oh, so wow. you will be able to walk up a hill, walk down hills for, um, you know, a little bit more of an intensive workout if that's something you want to go for. It. The uh, plans that we've seen right now are two loops. So if you wanted to stay on the the easy route, you know, you can s- spin around a couple of basketball courts and get a good look and feel into the library uh, partition between. So you, the sound won't bother anybody, but mm-hmm. uh, be able to actually look into the building uh, throughout while you're going through your walking track. And then you could take the expert level loop, which would be more of that up and down feel. Um, and it's actually protruding from the building. Uh, it's a really, really neat concept. So you're, you're walking on the outside of the building, but you're in the building. Gives you a, a sense of being outside. Wow. It's also located right there. Uh, well, the site for the for the project is right, right. there at the Shops at Broad, and it connects right into the linear trail. So very accessible, pretty much smack dab in the center of the city, all right? And we kind of just talked about the, the recreation side of it. This is also a library, mm-hmm. uh, and so it is two things into one. And I think people see that that price tag, and they're thinking, well, I can go buy a couple of treadmills for that. Well, it's it's a whole <laughs> lot more than just a couple of treadmills. The The benefit of this is because both of these uh, concepts, the library and the recreation center, are under one roof. They share a lot of the overhead costs. Yeah. And because they're sharing those costs, they have the ability to have a lot of common spaces 
that each place can use. So you have a, a check-in place, you know, might be where your books are returned or where you check your membership for your, uh, the recreation side. Uh, state law does not allow us to charge for libraries. So everything in this building that's related to the library is completely free. It's accessible to anybody. The um, other shared pieces with this are things like classrooms. Uh, you can have a birthday party here. You can have, mm-hmm. um, you know, small groups meeting for, uh, you know, you have a class project or university project that you're working with a bunch of people. Check out a room, have a whiteboard, be able to do teaming work in a common place. Uh, there's a cafe that's designed in the middle of it that favors the um, the grist mill uh, concepts that we have here. Yeah. Uh, it's just a beautiful building with a lot of uh, purpose behind it. It's not just a, an exercise building for $78 million. It's a community building. And what's this going to cost the taxpayers? So $78 million is is the, the price tag on this one here. That equates to the $5.38 per $100,000 of home. Okay. And these numbers that we're throwing out here, well, the price tag is pretty accurate. That's We've gone through uh, a lot of work to get to the place where we're uh, where we're at that that seventy eight million dollars now, mm-hmm. how it's funded? Um, these are very conservative numbers. We're looking at a very conservative growth pattern in the city, which right now is not conservative. We are a very aggressive uh, growth state right now. Uh, we're looking at one and two percent growth, where the actual is more like six in some cases. We don't necessarily know what that future is going to be. So the city provides these numbers with the worst case scenario possible. So as the city grows, that these numbers could go down slightly, or absolutely. But, okay. uh, as we as we bring in more more residential, as we bring in more commercial, as the city grows in in population, uh, these numbers will will definitely decrease. Proposition C. Uh, this is right up your alley because you're on the the parks board. Uh, parks and athletic complexes. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. We uh, purchased some land back in 2019 out on the west side of town, 100 almost 140 acres, 138 and a half, or I don't remember the exact number. Let's call it 140 acres, just shy of. And um, to develop that property into uh, a park and and a, a really nice world class. Uh, facility, the the parks budget cannot support that. Our parks budget is based off of a couple of different funding sources, but mostly off of the half cent sales tax right. that comes in. And so we we're about you know just a little over eight million dollars uh, as far as a budget. And and we can see here with this this project, it's a pretty good sized project. There is there's no way. Uh, that we could do this project in a year. It would take many years for us to get to this point to where we could create a facility like this. And we wouldn't be able to do anything else. We have a lot of things on the ground that still need maintenance and trails that need to be maintained, things like that. And so this proposition on this ballot allows us to get an incredible park on the west side of town that is a sports complex, a community park, uh, walking trails, uh, and allows for future growth. So we're not building out all 140 acres all at one time. Uh, it's about half or so that that's being planned to build, to be built. Yeah. And um, the, the rest is for future development, which is nice. Trends change. Things change over time. We don't want to go out there and build a bunch of, you know, uh, badminton, you know, for <laughs> if that's a declining sport. You know, pickleball right now is the, the fastest growing sport in America. And, and you know, there's 
discussions about pickleball out here. Sure. It'd be a great place for that. Sure. I'm looking at the artist concept here, the illustration, and I see 14 basketball courts and, and, and only eight tennis courts. Um, being a tennis player, um, Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> well. I, first off, I'll say that, that you answered your own question with with your first statement. This is just a, a rendering, an artist yes, concept. Uh, and, and as we go through this, um, you know, we'll talk with associations. Uh, you, you mentioned tennis, so Mata would be heavily in, involved in this, which I, I participate in every Sunday. Very good. Yeah. And uh, working with the the other associations to uh, make sure that all of the needs are met. So uh, there's been discussion. Well, we need a turf field. Well, turf fields are more expensive than grass fields. And so could we could we do maybe a few turf and few grass or what does it cost and what what's the exchange and what's the you know Peter Paul on that you know if you if you take one of these how many do you lose of that uh, and so some of these things are still up in the air but um, to get you know a good idea of what we're looking at it's going to be you know 55 million dollars not only for this park but also to um, to rehabilitate and uh, refactor the way that Skinner works out on the east side of town. Right. And on the other side of 360 over by yeah, fairly close to the Natatorium and, and, yeah. and Newsom Stadium. Yeah, it's kind of smack dab between the Mansfield National, you know, where the, where the U-turn is on, right. on that, and then uh, the Natatorium. And uh, the goal is to put um, all of your diamonds your diamond sports at one location and all of your rectangle sports at the other. So Skinner will be the place for softball, D-ball, baseball, your diamond sports, Mm -hmm. where all of the rectangles, your football and soccer, will be out at the the new sports complex, the Southwest Sports Complex. Um, These are together on the same proposition uh, for the $55 million because we really can't do one without the other. If we said, "Let's, let's separate and put Skinner on as a separate proposition and it passed, but the Southwest complex did not, we'd have to tell our association, sorry, you can't play for 18 months while we go through and, and redo this project. And, and that's just not acceptable. So I think the, the, uh, the plan based on the citizen bond committee mm-hmm. approved by council uh, was to put both of these propositions together into one package so that um, there won't be downtime. We'll be able to create new and then replace. Right, that the the park on the west side will be built. Athletics from the east side, from Skinner Sports, will move over to the west side while then they renovate the east side Skinner Sports. Absolutely. And then you've got two parks available. Right. What's uh, a $55 million price, uh, $55 million price tag? What is this going to cost uh, per person? Right, so the... the, the Conservative models that we have show this at three eighty per hundred thousand dollars of value on your home, so three dollars and eighty cents for hundred thousand dollars. So your half million dollar home is fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollars. Yeah, yeah, multiply it by five. So easy, easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. And again, those are the conservative estimates that were put out months and months ago. Another one that's right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proposition D still involving the parks, yeah. uh, the parks department and, and, and park and rec, the linear trails. Yeah. So you're sitting here, you can see me. I, I lit up. We oh, talk yes, about you the did. Tra- we talk about the trails and <laughs> I get excited and, and, uh, we're friends on Facebook. You've seen me post, you know, every Saturday morning, my son and I will go out and, and ride bikes. People ask me all the time, why don't you take your daughter with you? And it's like, well, she's allergic to outside. Hmm. You know, she's, she just will break out and have a very hard time. But, um, 
we're, we're going to get there. You know, we're going to try to get that controlled and get her out. But every Saturday morning, my son and I will go out and ride bikes. Mm-hmm. And we are, we're on that linear trail for two, two and a half hours uh, every Saturday morning. And what a great way to see people in our community, right? Not only do we just, you know, park at a park, uh, unload the bikes and get out and start riding on the trail. We go from park to park to downtown. Uh, we head out to the dog park and we visit with people. Um, we love to visit and, and meet new friends while we're out on the trails. And so this one is real exciting to me. It has a price tag of $10.5 million for really two projects in one. Okay. Uh, one of those projects is to um, make all of the linear trail connected. Right now we have a, an east-west spine trail that goes through the city. Um, that that's not fully connected and has a couple of missing segments. And so I think it's like seven and a half million of the 10 and a half goes towards completing those, uh, those segments, which will give you, uh, east to west connectivity all the way across from city limit to city limit. And really basically just following Walnut Creek. Right. For the most part. For the most part. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and, and as we get towards, um, I'm trying to think where it breaks off. Maybe, you know, Matlock and, um, you know, north of Cannon. There, there's a little bit of a switch there where, where things go a little bit different. You have to bypass the golf course. Right, and, right, right. But but it does connect, completely connect from the eastern boundary on the other side of 360 all the way to the west side, which is even past the dog park for those that know where that's at. Mm-hmm. So. $10 million, $10.5 million is the proposed. And again, uh, let's go ahead and break this down for uh, per uh, per voter or per resident here in, in Mansfield. Right. So it's 72 cents per $100,000 for, for that proposition. And like I said, you know, a portion of that is the east-west. There's another piece of it that impacts Pond Branch, which is the the trail downtown. Right. It essentially starts at Stevens Garden and Grill and goes all the way to um, Pond Street, uh, just south of the the main and broad intersection. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the remaining balance of this um, bond proposition pays for that to continue down all the way down South Main to essentially get to Heritage. Okay. And um, it's a great way to connect that growing part of Mansfield into the rest of downtown. And again, 72 cents per $100,000 assessed value of your of your home. And that is the linear trail the linear trail renovation on the uh, on the bond elections. The last proposition is pretty unique. Uh, the Miracle League field. Yeah. Describe that and tell me what's going on. So Miracle League is an organization that uh, allows uh, athletes of all abilities to play, compete, and fellowship together. Um, the sports complexes that are that are out there have uh, different levels of terrain. There may be a lip between uh, concrete and grass. There may be um, a piece of... Um, you know, just some ground that's not as sure as the rest. And what a Miracle League field gives you is a solid surface um, that will allow uh, athletes of all abilities to access it. So if you're uh, using uh, a wheelchair or if you're using um, 
walking aids, you're able to safely get across those fields. The Miracle League organization works with um, volunteers as buddies to help athletes perform on the field. So they may need uh, different athletes are at different levels. And so they may need somebody to help them um, round a base or bat or, or whatever the case may be. Um, And so this project allows us to invite those families um, to come here and play those sports here. It's an ADA baseball field. Pretty much. Okay. Which uh, again, whether it's Special Olympics or or just kids with uh, with physical disabilities, this is the place that they would go to to play baseball or play sports. Right. The Miracle League field, and I see a price tag of five million dollars. Where is this going to wind up? Right. So the the plan A, we'll just call it that, is to change out the McClendon East Park. Uh, to a Miracle League field. Mm. Um, it's located there just to the east side of downtown, out of the way, very secluded, very, you know, um, a quiet place to go to. We are already working on McClendon West, adding a splash pad, some basketball courts, a lot of things over there. Uh, and then there's a trail that goes through the woods to McClendon East. And this project would replace the playground there to make it an inclusive playground, to have a Miracle League field, the solid surface that I was I was talking about. It also allows us to have another field that, um, that would allow um, – athletes of all abilities to be able to come play as well. Sometimes there's, they're not physical um, reasons that somebody is, is in these league. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it provides multiple fields at that one location. So that's plan a, the city is very you know open. They love to hear feedback. They want to make sure that they're delivering the right project. You know, this is $5 million. Um, want to make sure that we're building what, people want. And yeah. so uh, focus groups with the families who are in the Miracle League organization will help us determine if it's going to go there where it was proposed or maybe an alternate site, which is at McClendon. I'm sorry, not McClendon, at Chandler Park, okay. um, right there near uh, Debbie Lane and Walnut Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, another great place. If Proposition C passes, then those football fields may go to another location and we can use those, that grass, that field right there for, uh, for the Miracle League field. Again, asking the parents what they want is key. Delivering what people are asking for is, is paramount. But knowing that the city's already considering options where there's, you know, well here, once you're done, you have a splash pad. Once you're done, you have, you know, a playground, you have considerably more parking, you have, um, maybe even more access, easier to get to. Uh, when we went through the study on this, we found that, Arlington has a Miracle League field at Randall Mill Park, North mm, Arlington. Right. One of their biggest consumers of that league is the people who live in Mansfield. And right behind that is the people who live in Midlothian. And so we're, we're expecting that this will be a very popular destination, not only for the people of Mansfield, but to attract others and want to make sure that we're delivering the right product. And then again, a per-resident cost on this what's the, what's this going to cost me it's about 34 cents per hundred thousand dollars it's the the smallest one on the ballot yeah uh i feel like it's got a big impact and and i'm definitely supporting this along with all the rest of them those are the five propositions those are the proposition five. a a veterans memorial proposition b the rec center and the library proposition c 
the new parks at both the east end and the west end of the uh, of the city. Proposition D, linear trails, and Proposition E, the Miracle League field. Scott Bowman, if anyone wanted more information about the five propositions, where would they go? Yeah, the city's put together a website called mansfield2022.com. It has great information about all of the projects. Uh, you know, you referred to uh, some conceptual images. Those are all posted on the website. There's also some videos put together by the city that um, may explain a little bit more in detail or maybe fill in some gaps where I, I, I left some pieces out. Yeah. Um, but they've done a real good job there. Again, it's mansfield2022.com. It's the bond election. It's coming up May 7th right here in Mansfield, along with... Four places that are going to uh, be that you're going to be voting on for the the Mansfield ISD School Board, and and again the the five propositions uh, coming up for the City of Mansfield, and again you can find the the information at Mansfield 2022. That's Mansfield2022.com. Again, the elections May seventh. May seventh. Early voting. Early voting starts April twenty fifth. Goes through May third. Yes, sir. Scott Bowman, I appreciate you uh, coming out here. here. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll see you on Facebook with uh, Trash Talk. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we are officially in wedding season as June brides are feverishly putting the finishing touches on their wedding plans, and we will talk in studio with a bride to be who also works in the wedding industry about how to plan for the big day. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love. Come on now, support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporter, Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Ask Terry Home Improvement, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. <laughs>